0: Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Haj Asad and with me as always is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people Ben.
1: Greetings human listeners.
0: Greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you're listening to our podcast thank you for trying something new. I will reiterate Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists but more importantly we're very good friends. Um, Occasionally There might be a third member on this week's episode or future episodes because, Ben, I've got a new addition to the family, Ben.
1: A new addition in your garage?
0: No, in the regular bed bedrooms and household, I guess. Is is, is it
1: a corporeal or non corporeal? <laughs>
0: corporeal. It is definitely a person. I mean, who are you gonna uh, call,
1: right? <laughs>
0: uh, we we introduced our first uh, baby boy, um, uh-huh. our baby, a little baby boy, and uh, things are are fresh and new in our in our lives. So S- so fresh and wanna... new.
1: Sammy is recording this literally forty eight hours after his wife gave birth. <laughs> so that's a dedication to the podcast um and dedication um, to you dear listeners
0: that's right but just i wanted to make sure in case uh you hear some uh you know i have to duck out and i seem dis- dis- uh, like distanced from ben it's probably because i'm dealing with this
1: yeah i guess so. i mean the baby's already walking it's pretty it's pretty wild
0: <laughs> yeah man and it's six feet put- tall <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, he's hoping to enter next year's uh, NBA draft. Really? But. Yeah,
1: they're getting an exemption. It's uh, it's pretty cool actually. The commissioner was very, very, very <laughs> uh, accommodating. I guess is the word. <laughs> Terrified was another word I would use. Um,
0: but yeah. Well, I mean, we're very intimidating people. I I, I guess when, with your six foot baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ben, why don't they? Why don't we uh, tell the listeners where they can find your latest work?
1: Sure. I, but before that, I just want to mention that um. Because Sammy is a new father, it, it might be that the podcast schedule gets a little erratic, and we might miss an episode here or there, or they might come closer or farther apart than you're used to. And we apologize for that in advance. But you know, it's not always easy to predict when a six foot infant is going to be hungry or fussy or or needing attention. So we're trying to we're trying to you know muddle through the best we can, and we hope that you'll bear with us during these you know first few months of a brand new life in this world, which is a pretty exciting thing. Hey, we may not sound like it. We're probably among but we're probably among the
0: most professional in our in our field, right? No. <laughs> I d I don't
1: know. I mean I don't
0: know in the automotive podcasting um without a name field? Probably. I can
1: tell you I didn't know there were any other automotive podcasts until very recently. I thought it was That's just professionalism us. right yeah. there. Focus. I, you don't want to be distracted.
0: <laughs> okay, Ben. We distracted. Yeah
1: plug some publications man uh sure you can find my work at motor trend actually i'm doing kind of a fun series right now on um memorable supercars from like every decade and we every decade mind? ever starting starting in the 70s because that's really it semi and i had a big argument about this <laughs> so for me i think that why you got gonna- to
0: <laughs> you, gotta, you always love to express the antagonism into the podcast.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I was I was taken aback by by the conversation we had, but for me, supercars really begin in. The, in I think the first supercar probably is the Mira, right? The Lamborghini. Um, Am I supposed to
0: agree with you just because you brought it up publicly on the podcast? I don't
1: know what you're going to do. Honestly, I'm a little afraid for your reaction. And, and that, that was in the 60s, but the real supercar era began in the 70s because a lot of other car companies were like, hey, we can also do that. And we went from like sports cars to legitimate supercars, stuff like, yeah. you know, the 512BB, uh, but also the Kuntash. And, um, oh, the the BMW M1, vehicles like that, the, the stuff that was either designed for racing exclusively, and then they had to homologate it, so they built road-going examples, or stuff where they were like, you know what, if we build this super high-end car, we can charge a huge amount of money for it, and it'll be really exclusive, and it will, it, it, in order to do that, we have to wipe the floor with everyone else in terms of performance. So it's something like that, yeah. Porsche 930, it's kind of an example of that where the 911 was a fun sports car, but then when they added the turbocharged engine, it really became a world beater. So, yeah, all this to say we're starting in the 70s and 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 uh, Motor Trend were doing like it's it's not the articles are kind of, you know, I, I tried to look pick 10 examples From each year, but I'm not just doing the stuff that when I say memorable, it's not just like here are the best supercars. It's like some of these are pretty weird. Like uh, for the 70s, I talked about this vehicle called the Panther 6, which is like a six wheeled vehicle that Panther in Britain built. And they built two of them. One of them was sold. The other one is, I think, still around at the company, but it had like two, four drive, sorry, four steering wheels at the front. And then the two drive wheels at the back, like the Terrell Formula One car
0: what it's got oh steering like uh yes yeah not Sorry. like four not- <laughs> steering
1: wheels lined up inside and it's like you know like at a at an old school arcade and you had to pick yeah. one or when you're playing yeah. uh i have iron man steward's the baja off-road <laughs> super off-road yeah uh but no um it also had a 500 cubic inch cadillac v8 so they were really <laughs> it's a
0: very big engine that's an a turbocharged five liter engine isn't it
1: i don't think it was turbo
0: now oh, okay I don't my think mistake they how to do that
1: it might have been i mean historical e- records from that era are spotty at best but um so stuff like that like strange things i'm trying to sprinkle them in. we're up to i just submitted the one on the 90s and i don't know how quickly they're being published i think one per week for the rest of the fall because it's about 12 pieces in total or something like mm-hmm. that because we're we're gonna do like a, a big wrap up at the end anyway
0: I've actually really ter- do all the research, especially on six-wheeled cars. Can you tell me, you know, the 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 concept behind more wheels means more more car, more better car?
1: Well, <laughs> it's not necessarily more better car, but it's more better steering usually. Because if you look at and you see this today, there are still vehicles that represent this philosophy. If you look at like the Can-Am Spider. Yep. And the uh, T-Rex, where they have one drone. I'm always looking at those. I know, nonstop. You're sending to me on – you, you bought your, your your new child a uh, a yeah. onesie that had a T-Rex on it. That's right. And uh, not a –
0: yeah, not a dinosaur. No. Do you know how hard it was to call – I called so many baby stores. That was search, like, hey, do you have T-Rex that onesies? That search
1: term is impossible to use. And I
0: ran over there, and they got all these dinosaurs everywhere. I'm like, ah. Oh. Flew so into I a rage. In <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, so it's the same philosophy that you have with those, where there's one drive wheel and two two wheels at the front, because the steering usually requires more tire, I guess you could mm-hmm. say. The more tire you can throw at steering, the easier or better steering can be. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas with drive wheels, if you have like one really big rear drive wheel, like on the T-Rex, you can usually have enough traction, especially if you're light enough, right? There's not necessarily the need for additional traction at the back. So the same idea kind of applied to the Terrell. So uh, kind of like. Well, I mean, it's it's, theory. These are concepts that were never really explored in depth.
0: Yeah, I love that. It's my favorite thing. It's my favorite thing. It is just like, what if we put (laughs) some more wheels on the car? More wheels.
1: And I think the reason a lot of it doesn't get explored is because with Formula One, as soon as something weird happens, they make a rule, right? Yeah, And then it's gone and you never see it. It's like like when they had active suspensions in the early 80s, I believe it was, um, where Formula One took one look at that. And I remember seeing like a demonstration. They had some companies that tried to... There were already rules about suspension, (laughs) but there were some companies that tried to sneak in. I want to say Williams, but I'm not sure. They tried to sneak in suspensions that technically conformed if you looked at them like if you if you visually inspected them but But the way they
0: had like a a second suspension setup yeah, like
1: the way they worked in reality was dramatically different from how they appeared to work and I remember there was like a car that looked totally normal and then they had it up on a on a like a rolling dyno where it can simulate road conditions and yeah. like it was on this bumpy surface and the car never moved like the wheels <laughs> would move and their car was never upset once it was incredibly stable there's some, So there- listen to me Ben listen we hear
0: this crazy band technology in a formula 1 and then we hear six wheel cars <laughs> what do you think
1: came to market you know what <laughs> Yeah, it's weird. Eh? They 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 took the active suspension. I want amazing.
0: I want amazing ride, especially you know, like I said, I moved to a city that I don't know uses uh, like crackers for roads or something. Crackers just broken for roads, roads? Broken
1: roads like everywhere. You're driving over ritz and wheat thins. Yeah, and
0: just broken roads everywhere. Disco. I want brilliant suspension. You want on a all six wheeled car? Parts. No, I don't. That's too. That's way too many times to feel that road. You know what I mean?
1: I mean, I guess so.
0: Okay,
1: um, I think that we, they should have cars with four steering wheels because it would be a theft deterrent. Because you wouldn't know, right? Which one's the real one? Yeah, and
0: each day you get a you get a text message that says, "Today use the uh, right most yeah, steering it's,
1: wheel." Yeah, it's a it's a it's a psych Like you can't yeah. tell until you're in it and you have that text message. So that, it's
0: encryption; it changes every day.
1: That's just enough time for you know thieves to be like no no i'm gonna move on you know (laughs) speaking of this and this is i read another story today about car thieves it was about how so many cars so montreal and toronto have huge car theft problems i think Mm -hmm. both of our cities have seen car theft increase by 50 percent over the last two years at least and um a lot of these vehicles get sent to northern africa or the middle east uh and they're they're just sold there and i I was reading this i'm sorry
0: I was saying lucky, good for them, going on vacation. I I was
1: reading a CBC story that was talking about how, like, they went to, um, I think it was Ghana, Mm -hmm. and there were cars driving around with, like, Quebec license plates, and they went to... And, like, block heaters? Yeah, I guess so. And they went to car lots, and they found, not only did they find, like... Quebec and Ontario played at cars, but they still had the registration and insurance yeah. in the in the glove box. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because at a certain point in the story, uh, a woman was talking about how she she saw like three dudes trying to steal her car in her driveway in the night, and she went outside and confronted them. Yeah, and was like, "Hey, what are you doing?" And I'm like, <laughs> in my mind, like, "Who does that? Who's like?" Wait,
0: is she is she que- Quebecer or Ontario? It was in
1: Ontario. Wasn't it was in Toronto? Oh, like. Wow. I feel like that one of them apparently apologized to her and then drove off in another stolen Porsche. Um, but, Apologize. And then two weeks later, her car was That's stolen anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it got me thinking would you go out and confront someone who was stealing your car? I, if it was, okay, look, I'm not saying if someone stole like your, your, your BRZ, I'm saying if someone stole your Outback, which is presumably insured and could be replaced by another very similar Outback. You have
0: my VRC is not insured.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I assume that you have maybe more of an emotional attachment to it.
0: Right. No. Would I confront? Would you somebody? confront
1: three people at night in front of your house? A part of me says I
0: would. Yeah, but not aggressively. Is that if that sounds appropriate? I bet you, like, I, it would be a lot like these. Pe- this person who would be like, "Hey." Uh, quit it like just there's another one down <laughs> hey, the street qu- hey you know?
1: kids quit it like that's what you're going you're like you're going out like the Fonz and being like <laughs> yeah. hey quit it hey don't steal my car I just feel like that's a situation that could really escalate into violence exactly
0: exactly and I mean that's my biggest concern of course is to de-escalate and ensure that you know I, I everyone's desperate over whatever they got going on not that I'm condoning theft. <laughs> I guess that, did
1: that <laughs> sounds like maybe you are <laughs>
0: Uh, Maybe I, I should change the subject from my sleep def- <laughs> the sleep deprived perspective.
1: I had a situation. I don't remember if we talked about it on the podcast um, this summer, where I went up on my roof and confronted some people who were on my roof at like midnight or twelve thirty, uh, mm-hmm. who were just basically being jerks and doing jerky stuff. And They were
0: curious. They wanted to know what was going oh, on. Oh yeah,
1: they were real curious. Anyway, I went. I put a ladder and I went up on my. I, so I live in the city, and it's like there's multiple buildings that are attached to each other, and they were running from roof to roof, and they were hanging out on mine. And I have a skylight, humble brag, and you can really hear them just talking, and so I just went straight up there, yeah. like in in my PJs, and I was like. I had a confrontation with them where I asked them if it was their roof and told them that I had just bought a new roof and that they could get off my roof. But yeah. like, I didn't think in the moment that it's like... That they could just push you off yeah, the roof? Yeah, it's something. like two people versus me in the middle of the night. No witnesses on like essentially the third story of a building at this point.
0: No, but I mean, at one point, you know, a, a really dumb situation would become so much more serious for whatever the escalation, you know, occurs. Right. I think a lot of people forget about the, about, especially in fights. I don't know if you've ever like heard, like, sometimes you get hit the wrong way and it, that's, that changes like a, a bar fight into something way worse. Right. Oh yeah. Like,
1: or somebody trips and falls onto something. Exactly. And, and like now they're in the hospital in a coma or something, you know? Yeah. I, I remember back when I was training, um, I got hit so hard in the side of the head that I had like, a blue dot in my vision for like two weeks Jeez! and i went to see a neurologist and you
0: never stopped driving
1: i never stopped driving i just the lights blue what do you mean I, <laughs> I just drove around the dot i was very young i was probably like 21 or 22 and i went to see a neurologist and he's like yeah you probably damaged the optic nerve there's nothing i can do and i was like oh <laughs> so the blue dot is either gone now or that's just a blind spot for me i don't know <laughs> but Just saying, like, yeah, you never know. what Things can change very quickly. All this to say, maybe don't confront a car thief unless you have a huge attachment to that car or someone you love is in that car. Bargain.
0: That's what I say. I always bargain. You're going
1: to bargain with them? That's a a confrontation all on its own now.
0: No. Hey. Hey,
1: cut it out, kids. (laughs) I got
0: a better situation. Maybe you want to take a look down that street, buddy.
1: (laughs) Wow, you're going to guide them to, like, a neighbor's better car?
0: Just the police, really. (laughs) I'll, I'll give them the directions of the police station
1: so yeah all that to say uh check me out on motor trend <laughs> 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 sammy where can people find your work <laughs> if they if they're still listening
0: i suppose they can find my work at uh car and driver uh, one of my stories has been published right up on there um as well as driving.ca autotrader.ca and nouveau magazine Ben, we've got some cars to talk about this week. We believe do. it or not, instead of all of these experiential things that I keep stumbling myself into, um, like I said in my in my sleep deprived uh, perspective, my new sleep deprived perspective, which I think will add a lot of value to the podcast.
1: Definitely, already has.
0: Uh, <laughs> what are we talking about this week, man? I hear you got uh, some drop top fun coming up.
1: Yeah, so I I this actually might be the only convertible I've driven so far this year. I think it is. I try to I try to drive at least one or two a year because I honestly think convertibles are a lot of fun um and surprisingly most of the modern ones are very easy to live with. I've only ever owned one convertible in my life and that was a first generation Miata and I miss that car every day. Uh but this time I was driving something a little more expensive. It was the 2023 BMW ZR M40 ZR. What the hell? The BMW Z4 M40i.
0: The BMW Z4 M40i. Now, remind me, is there another trim or engine option for the Z4 currently on offer?
1: Yeah, so you can get a, uh, a four-cylinder version of the car. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember what that's called. I want to say it's the M30 or the M20 M28. Uh,
0: I, it can't be an M. They can't both be something. Not the M. Sorry, it's
1: the it's, it's just the S drive. The, yeah, something like that. Uh, I you know why I don't know what it's called because I've never seen one. Never seen one. I know. I exactly. don't think they exist. <laughs> I think BMW like it's on the build sheet. Like when you're putting it together, you can mm. you can still buy it, but it's the S drive 30i, uh, right. and that's 255 horsepower. It's a turbo four. The engine's fine, um, but really you want to get this. I guess it's the B58 powered. Three liter twin turbo six with 382 horsepower. Asterisk, uh, because this is a car, you love
0: to do this, you love to say this about every BMW. Yeah, you you know why I'm gonna
1: say it, Sammy, because it does 60 in 3.3 seconds. (laughs) It's listed at 3.9, and I'm pretty sure Car and Driver or Road and Track got it to 3.3, which is like 0.3 seconds faster than the last time they tested it. Which makes no sense because they've not updated it mechanically. So I don't know what's going on with this engine, but it just gets more and more powerful as time passes. It's like I'm hopeful it's, it's, it's not,
0: aging. It's aging. It's fine wine. That's what that is. It's right sucking there. the
1: life force out of the universe and transforming it into horsepower. That really seems to be <laughs> how it feels. It's super quick. Even if you don't get a 3.3 out of it, you could probably easily get 3.5, which is insanely fast. And and this is for a car that costs like $66,000. It's not like a $100,000 car, right? Um Yeah. I, that's what that's I. That's wild. Up. That's so cool. Like, I mean, it's super fast, and I didn't realize it was
0: that fast. I thought it was maybe like four or something, no. or whatever, five under five, like a a typical fast. And you know right? what's
1: crazy is like the the four cylinder does it in like five point two. So. That's
0: ama- that is brilliant, right? <laughs> like, but it, that's, gearing maybe as
1: well plays a part. Be. So the reason that this car has been retested for acceleration is because twenty twenty three is a or I guess twenty twenty four is the model year um it's it's a uh refresh of a kind um of a
0: kind yeah
1: what does that mean? it means that bmw is not spending a lot of money
0: <laughs> right. on the z4 refresh. but wanted to yeah. wanted to make it look like they
1: did because um the the car itself there's only one reason this car exists and that's because toyota wanted to build the supra they didn't want to build it themselves for reasons that we'll never understand and as a result, probably financial. Yeah, they partnered up with BMW, and they were like, "Okay, we're we're going to build it together." And, and in fact, BMW was like, "Psych, we're not going to build it either. We're going to send it to Magnus Dyer and like in Graz, uh, Austria, and they're going to yep. build it there." So this car exists because another car exists, and so BMW doesn't really sell very many of these cars, and it doesn't make sense for them to spend a lot of money on a full refresh. So this is like a mid a mid cycle refresh, kind of. Mm-hmm. And uh, what that means basically is every six cylinder version of the car gets the M-, M package for this year. So you get like different bumper and little side skirts and stuff. Um, the the four cylinder cars get adaptive suspension and something else. Uh, what was it? Let me double check my notes here. The I'm waiting. Yeah, yeah I'm looking. Um,
0: it, do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing?
1: Well, I I don't think it really matters. The other the, I can't remember the other thing that the four cylinder gets. Maybe it's the LSD, but uh, the the the, the six cylinder that I drove also gets Thunder Knight metallic paint, which is like BMW speak for purple. <laughs> and this is a great color, so I'm happy. Thunder that it gets Knight? A, yeah, it's called Thunder Knight. All one word. That's cool. Yeah, it is cool. All it's,
0: one word as well. Dang, I should have named my child Thunder Knight. You
1: really should have. Not too late.
0: <laughs> Not too late. I think it is. Unfortunately.
1: So you you get all that stuff, um, and the The interior of the car is pretty much the same. It has kind of the older school infotainment system from BMW, which is fine because it worked perfectly. Mm -hmm. The car is decent inside. Like there's there's one of the complaints I have about the Supra, which shares the same platform, is that it feels. I don't know if I'd say cramped. But you definitely know you're in a coupe that only has two seats. Like at yeah, all no,
0: the headroom in it is awful. It's
1: like compared to the Z, to, to the Nissan Z that we talked about recently. With the Z, like the hatchback is right there mm-hmm. from what I remember. And it kind mm-hmm. of adds a little bit of spaciousness. Not that you can necessarily use it. But in the Supra, it's not like that at all.
0: No, like it's more like a, the, 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 the hatchback in the Z is almost like a sunroof. It's like right behind you. It adds <laughs> like – it adds – airiness to the to the cabin and
1: if i remember the super hatch floor is very high yeah so like it's kind of a weird situation all around so in the z4 you actually get a decent trunk like i use this car so we've been mailing out the comic books from our most recent kickstarter campaign i had to mail like 300 packages and i did about 70 of them the week before when i had a jeep and then the week after, I ended up doing almost the all, the all the rest of them in the Z4, and I had to like pile them on the passenger seat, but also in the trunk. And the trunk was surprisingly spacious; like I was able to carry a lot of boxes and bags filled with Jeez. packages. So I was I was impressed by that. Um,
0: that's currently your criteria for, like, a great car. Whatever scenario you find yourself in, if it excels in that, perfect. Yeah, exactly. convertible, but, loads boxes. But it's like, always a
1: surprise to find, like, a roadster that can yeah. actually haul stuff. So you could, in theory, go on a weekend vacation and bring your luggage with you, which is not always the case. I remember yeah. the worst... You ever done it in a Miata? In a Miata, yes, because I used to go to the track and drive the car to the track and have all my gear in the back. Yeah. So like jacks and, and tents and stuff like that, and it works, uh, okay. but it's super tight. And I We're was only Camaro. One, I was only one person. You say Camaro?
0: Yeah, those conver- those convertibles also had like no trunk space.
1: Oh, I don't remember. It's been a long time since I've been in a Camaro convertible. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, we don't all um, operate at the same level, you do, Sammy. And sometimes <laughs> mullet you, mullet zone? Sometimes you forget that, and I do. You tell them yourself, but uh, <laughs> any, anyway. <laughs> So yeah, I the worst one for me was the Alpha Four C, which is a car oh, yeah. I the car I love, but if you remove the if you remove the roof panel, which is basically some fabric question mark that sits above your head, it's like a rectangle the size of a, a large hardcover book. And Where should we put that? You put it in the trunk and that's it. There's nothing. There's the
0: trunk is a is a roof? compartment that's yeah, all it is it's a mid-engine
1: car right so like the trunk is but there's, there's like a there's an engine and then there's like a tiny trunk and there's no frunk in the front there's nothing so if you take the roof off you're done like you can't even you can't even put like a grocery bag back there so the z4 is in a very different zone when it comes to that but uh key points in this car, it's the convertible Supra Toyota's never going to build and Toyota's never built a convertible Supra. They've just never done it. They've had a lot of Targa cars, but that's kind of where it ends. Um, they mm-hmm. built a Targa version of the current generation for SEMA like two years ago and then nothing happened.
0: <laughs> they love doing that. Yeah. They'd rather spend their money on concepts they'll never make.
1: <laughs> Shout out to ABAT. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, then, you know, make cool, make cool cars
1: themselves. So uh, it's it's fun to drive. It's not super connected to the road. It's not intended to be really a driver's car. I think it's just intended to be quick and um, have decent handling. And both of those mission accomplished. You know, it's got great big tires, got staggered set up. So it's pretty understeery and um, friendly in a corner. You're not going to hurt yourself even if you're on the throttle. It is so fast. It feels fast all the time. (laughs) It has a sport mode to do all the crackle pop exhaust stuff if you want your neighbors to hate you. And you can set up an individual mode, like on most BMWs, and pick and choose which parts of the experience you want to be insufferable and which ones you want to be comfortable. Uh, I think that it's probably as fun as the Supra, except not as focused. I think on a racetrack, you would see a big difference between the two cars, just in terms of their personalities. And obviously, you can't get a manual transmission with the Z4 like you can with the Toyota. So that's another really big difference. A further difference, though, Sammy, is the 6 mm-hmm. cylinder car remember i said it costs 66000 yes that's like $12000 more than a than a 6 cylinder supra maybe $10000 more that's that's quite okay. a lot and it is a lot even the the entry level 4 cylinder bmw is like 8 grand more <laughs> so the top comes off and the price goes up and that's yeah. pretty common uh and yeah yeah but like the the
0: things you mentioned first of all, does the Supra feel that fast? In in relation, I know it's hard to be like apples to apples right now because you haven't driven it uh, lately, probably. But um,
1: the Supra the Supra feels very quick for sure. Um, but
0: you just said this one feels fast all the time. I don't remember you saying such a providing such a qualifier for the Supra.
1: I think it's because the Supra the last time I drove it was a manual. So manual. when it's fast, it's because you made the deliberate choice to be fast. Mm-hmm. Whereas with this car, you can like be at three quarter throttle and it picks the right gear, and all of a sudden you're you're going very much too quickly.
0: Um, and then of course the added comfortability that comes with that uh, ability to drop the top or or anything like that. Did you drive it a lot with the, with the, with the top down? And did you notice any sort of like noise or wind issues? I did or, drive I it a know. lot with
1: the top down. So it coincided with a week where we had extremely hot temperatures, and I mean, like yeah. near a hundred degrees. And very humid Um, and in the evenings we had crazy rainstorms Mm -hmm. so I did a long distance trip where on the way there in the afternoon it was so much rain that I could not see the road ahead of me more than like 15 feet so I had the top up and then on the way back that night I had the top down because it had cooled down a little bit and I had with the windows up You can have a conversation inside the car at like normal volume. It's pretty decent with the windows down. It's a little bit louder, but it's not it's not really a problem Um, in regular driving around town with the top down. It's extremely comfortable. The only issue I really had was it has one of those deflectors in the back for like wind. And it's the one of the ones that's kind of like a um, like a mesh, like a plastic mesh. And it takes up so much real estate in the rearview mirror that at night, every car that's behind you, it's kind of hard to see what they are, what they're up to. Ah. just the rearview mirror.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's annoying.
1: It's a bit annoying. I mean, it's a nitpick, I guess.
0: No, but I mean, I agree with that. I mean, we 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 both have fairly, you know, low sports cars, and I'm sure we've all been blinded by cars. Would you rather be blinded by the headlights or confused about what's going on behind you? Yeah,
1: I'm not too worried about the headlights. I just, I just like to know what's happening, I guess. But See? I think I agree with you. I like the car, though. I mean, I don't have any complaints about this car. I mm-hmm. think that... It does what it needs to do. And what else are you going to buy at $66,000? that's in the same zone and is and is a roadster i mean the the boxster i'm assuming is more expensive
0: unfortunately every time we talk about sports cars i bring up what i think are cheap ones and it turns out that they're super expensive they're hyper
1: expensive, <laughs> like in a way in a way you couldn't possibly have imagined right
0: um i so i always think that the boxter is affordable and i that just isn't the case anymore no, it's very um much not and i think the tt is done the audi tt do you remember that I do. Do I remember that? Yes,
1: I remember the Audi TT.
0: I, I mean, you used to love it for its blue, its its, its stylish blue dot. But
1: I didn't know that. Um, I can joke about that. I didn't know that it was gone. I think it's done. I didn't know that. I don't know how long it's been since the Roadster version of that was available. I'm gonna double check just real quick. But uh, yeah, it's. I would say it's probably like roughly equivalent to the TT, but way quicker just in terms of positioning. No, you can still buy the Roadster. 2023, it's out there and it's it's $10,000 cheaper, but I'm assuming it comes with the turbo 4 at the base.
0: Okay, yeah. So then, that's it, a then huge, it lines that's up a huge, it does yeah. line up
1: with the with the BMW pricing. Okay, cool. Um but there's
0: a difference to the way um I think Audi and BMW deliver performance.
1: Oh yeah, for uh, sure. And they're, they're not they're, I don't think they're directly comparable cars other than the fact that they're both roadsters
0: and similarly priced. Yeah. Yeah. Um so you gotta like the the design of one and the other. Let me let me yeah. say
1: let me say let me refine what I was saying. I don't think you can get a rear wheel drive roadster at yeah. this price point.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. That
1: is similar. I mean the Corvette, I don't know how much the convertible Corvette costs. Um I'm assuming it's probably seventy and it's gonna be a lot faster, but it's also gonna be a focused sports car, which which this he- is not.
0: I just want to take a quick tangent. Have you had a Corvette like heat check? Like, have you realized how many, have you seen as many as I do? I like, see
1: so many of them. I see so many. It's wild. And they're the impossible C8, right? not to see either. Like they don't blend yeah. in. It's like instantly anything that's that big and mid engine automatically yeah. catches your eye. If you're a car person, I think now, um, they're
0: not like, they're not as like, wow. As like other mid engine cars. Like they really don't, I think they don't do that. I think because they're common that's weird right
1: like but the, uh, they
0: like hurt themselves with their own they're they're a victim of their own success but it goes now. both ways
1: it's like yeah at the same time i had a mclaren pull in behind me yesterday and i thought it was a corvette <laughs> <At first. laughs> oh no you know? and then i'm like oh no it's a mclaren and if you I should have appreciated that more if you're that driver i mean that sucks <laughs> yes,
0: that does. but um, i think that anything speaks else?
1: to i think that uh, this is something we've touched on in the past But I think that it speaks to how derivative styling has become for mid-engine supercars. Just that it's so much about aero and squeaking out like the next mile per hour past the other competitor that there's not a lot of risks that are taken in terms of look. I think McLaren does do a decent job of differentiating itself. But if you look at Lamborghini and Ferrari, they're not necessarily interesting visually. And I think that the Corvette is also not really that interesting visually. It's not bad, but it's not like, wow, that's a pretty car. It's more like, okay, that's a striking car that I notice. And I think that that's kind of... We've created this, like, a gray zone where supercars just look like this. And that's how it is.
0: Okay, so I'm going to take that tangent a little bit further. Okay. Um, because I found a press release that scared me a little bit. But um, you mentioned Alfa Romeo on the 4C, which I think is a very attractive-looking car. They're coming with a new super, like a supercar or maybe a hypercar. I'm not quite sure. That is another, I, I, it has to be mid engine. It looks insane.
1: Everything. Have you heard of this thing? Is, is mid engine. The
0: 33 Stradale? No. No. Okay. We'll, we'll have to bring this up on one of these. I feel like every Alfa
1: Romeo is called Stradale at some point.
0: <laughs> it's the first step, really. <laughs> um, okay. Anyways. Stradale or
1: Tonale, right? Like that's the.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Toenail.
1: That's what we used to call it. No comment.
0: Oh, um, okay. Anything else you want to talk about with the Z4? No, I think, we... I
1: think that, that, that wraps up my feelings about the car.
0: Okay. I want to talk about a car that has been, um, more refreshed maybe than your car was More refreshed. Yeah. Well, you said refreshed. It drank a of? tall
1: glass of lemonade. Oh yeah. It's,
0: it's thirst has been quenched and is refreshed and ready to hit the market. Um, this is the 2024 Kia Seltos. Okay. Um, and I drove a new trim level that's specific to this year, but will be familiar to anyone who's heard of Kia selling cars lately. It's called the X line, which is new. Um, and supposed to be rugged or more rugged. It's supposed
1: to look rugged. I think the X Pro yeah. is the one that's sort of question mark rugged. I keep saying question mark. The, the X Pro is the question one mark? Where, The X Pro is the one that's making a claim to ruggedness and then the X line is the one that looks like the X Pro. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. So this is a this is a oh goodness, I'm falling over my chair. Um this is a uh X-Line. Okay. There is no X Pro of the given, of the Kia Seltos. I don't want to. I don't think I want it and I don't think it's uh, necessary. And the Kia Seltos was more updated this year because it needed to be Um, the Kia Seltos struggled, I think, standing out in its segment, especially given how good its platform mate, the Hyundai Kona, is. And the Seltos is pretty much the same car. It just looks different and just didn't get enough attention in in my experience compared to that. So, new design out front. It's got like a um an updated grille, it's got new headlights and taillights and new wheels. Um, now you can get it with a with a slightly Tuned um, turbocharged engine, and this uh, interior is a little bit more high tech, which I think is a big deal in a in a class such as this, which is entry level or or subcompact crossover. And I think from a distance, all of that sounds really, really good. That's an important upgrade to upgrade to have for a, a vehicle like this. However, Ben, as I as I I think I've repeated myself several times, these cars feel like. Good from far, but far from good. When you get in into the vehicle, you notice that there's a lot of like, just attention to detail in terms of cabin materials and trim. Just don't feel special. And I know this is not a luxury car, but
1: I mean, it's not a luxury looks, car, but it is priced like from yeah. twenty five to thirty one thousand, depending on how much money you want to spend.
0: And that's what mine mine was at the higher end of that that scale. And I just want something to look. It'd feel a little bit more just buttoned down. I mean Button the outside down. looks pretty good though. It does look sharp. And it's it's a pretty practical car. Um I really wish it had um space to put the cargo cover or the cargo shelf in the back. Uh, Is like this our- something
1: that am I the only person who No, we had loves- this conversation with the ranger about the Range Rover last week, I remember? It was the Range Rover had the yes,
0: it lifts or something. Yeah, it, gets it out had of like
1: two positions where <clears> I could put it. And I've just, had two
0: Outbacks that both have a like uh, a doodad under the trunk floor. A doodad. Can, sorry, not a doodad. A space. No, I
1: like that word. I'm not. In, I'm not upset.
0: Like a styrofoam space that like snugly holds the the cargo cover in place, so it doesn't rattle around and it's perfectly out of the way. I love that. Um, and because these are small cars, I found myself, um, needing to remove that cargo shelf often and then not knowing what to do with it. And it's just flopping around in the back seat. Is that common? Am I the only one who struggles with this?
1: No, it's, I, I think it's the same. Like it's one of those things is remember removable seats from SUVs and vans and you would just kind of like put them in your, in your, in your garage, (laughs) Garage. right?
0: You have to have a garage. Those were the good old days when everyone had a garage.
1: They were super irritating because they were very heavy. Mm -hmm. and um there was just no way to you would end up kicking them and that Mm -hmm. sucked at least from what i remember Uh, (laughs)
0: um let me talk you tell you a little bit about the experience i had driving the car uh powertrain is pretty strong it's a 200 horsepower 1.6 um liter turbocharged engine it's mated to a eight-speed transmission i think it's a dual clutch let me just double check to ensure because it didn't feel too clumsy no it's an automatic it's a brand new automatic um which is sweet. I, I really dug that. Um it felt smooth, comfortable, um and, and sorry, not comfortable. I need to I need to reiterate. The engine and the powertrain, very well done. Transmission did feel a little stiff, um, a little like, you know, a couple more years of this and you'll be hearing a lot.
1: A couple more years of this and why. I sorry. think that's
0: a, that's a concern for people in long. You'll be hearing some rattling oh, okay. um, just on how stiff this vehicle is. I think it's going to shake up um, some of the, the cheaper elements of the, of the cabin.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's never good when you're more worried about the transmission than the road when it comes to <laughs> uh, any type of shaking. Um
0: the other part of this car that I really do like is the infotainment system. Excellent infotainment system. Um, they've combined both the driver screen and the infotainment screen to one kind of like panoramic screen. Really works well, smooth, um, I mean responsive in terms of touch uh, interface and not too far which is something that I've had issues with in the past. Um, and it works with Android Auto and all that jazz. Additionally, features wise, this car comes with a lot of cool stuff. Now, I need to ensure that you can get all the stuff in different markets, but mine had vented seats, which I thought was a pretty important upgrade for a car. You can't even get some luxury cars don't even get, you know, vented or cooled seats, and I think that's great. I'm starting to see give them. The,
1: I'm sorry to see them in like um, second row now. That's awesome. That's like right? the next frontier for vented seats. And then imagine how loud the interior will be with like all four vent <laughs> ventilation fans going at the same time. That's that's yeah. that's the third frontier after the second frontier of like second row. It's like how do we make these quiet? Cuz some of them are it, super annoying.
0: It is. Some of them are quiet. But loud. I'm always
1: so hot that I don't mind. You know, like I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> well,
0: we've been having these heat waves like you have mentioned, and this was a huge um, advantage to the to driving the Saltos around. Um, an additional element of the X line is the, um, a to- like a, a center lock for the, for the all wheel drive system. Okay. I didn't test this out and I don't know if it really is like a legit, I don't think it's a real legit lock. I think so. it is
1: because I want to say that you've always been able to get that from Kia. Like okay. so many of their vehicles, I remember like, well, I, I'm talking like 10 years ago or eight years ago, it was a button on the dash. that said like 50, 50 or something. Right. And it would do that. I don't know how okay.
0: good it was at it. Isn't that so funny? They have all these features and it feels like of all... Every time an automaker usually introduces a car with one of these features, there's like some like obstacle course that you have to conquer in the, only that can only be done with this feature, according to the automaker. <laughs> but with Kia stuff, I'm like, I didn't get to try any of this stuff out. Um, anyways, what I need to say is, I think Kia would has had a couple of cars that have tried to raise the profile of the automaker altogether. Originally with the Stinger, in my opinion, and then re- more recently with the Telluride and even the um, updated, um, what's it called? The Sorento. I think these are really refined, like high-end vehicles. And the EV6, too. And I think they need to try to incorporate the same attention to detail that those other vehicles have across the line. And it doesn't mean you need to do the value, you know, the the bargain approach that they used to be known for, which is jam as many things into a car for as cheap as possible and hope that they're going to come back when their car is is falling apart. Like, (laughs) that's how it feels like to me. I think that they need to refine, they need to ensure that the refinement, the overall experience is as strong as those other vehicles. And that's how you're going to maintain customers for a long time. Fair enough. Is that fair? Is that appropriate? No, I think so. And I think that the Celtos is missing that a little bit. Um, I think it can get there, and they're not far off. They clearly have shown you know expertise, and it would be great to see that kind of um, attention to detail in cheaper cars. Other automakers are, are capable of doing this.
1: Now, is there anything else that you want to talk about with the Celtos?
0: No, I think we do have one more note to um, to talk about this week. Yeah, that's what it reminded me of
1: because we're talking about ventilated seats, but I kind of wanted to switch over to the heated seats side of the the spectrum because about a year ago, BMW freaked out, or or BMW fans more accurately freaked out, because the company announced that it was going to start charging subscriptions for things that you don't normally would think of needing a subscription to use, like heated seats. Heated seats specifically. It wasn't the only thing. But they were going to make a subscription. But that was the thing that everyone latched onto. And they were like, oh, no, I'm going to have to pay every month or my heated seats aren't going to be working anymore. Honestly, it's a pretty ludicrous idea. Nickel and diming uh, vehicle owners after they've left the dealership is a big problem. But not only that, it would create a situation where, and we're already starting to see this with electric vehicles, uh, where when you buy a used car, you're not sure what features it actually has. So, like, we've talked about how the Mercedes EQS and the, uh, I think, the one of the Volvo, the electric Volvos, you can pay more money and have, like, more horsepower unlocked from the electric motor. But it was never clear as to when that vehicle was sold, whether that would feature would come with it or how you would know by getting that vehicle if you were a secondhand buyer. So it would be really muddying up the secondhand market in the future. Not necessarily something car companies care too much about, but it's still something to be concerned about. Anyway, Bringing this up because BMW has decided not to charge you for heated seats in the future. And uh, that's a great decision, I think, Sammy.
0: Absolutely. It's very interesting to hear the... I mean, this is a, a report from Autocar. Um, and somebody at the company was was told that... Um, uh, the user acceptance wasn't that high people felt that they were being they were paying double which was not actually true but to them perception re- is reality so they stopped
1: doing it yeah the thing is though they were being asked to pay double because like at, at any point bmw could turn those off and then the next buyer would have to pay again um no but the car has the feature, the car has the feature okay? and, uh, you paid for that at the at. You paid for that. I want you know? to point like, out too that like the car has the feature and that feature weighs a certain amount of grams or ounces or pounds or whatever it is and that's mm-hmm. going to impact fuel mileage, right? So if you mm-hmm. bought a car that has a feature installed that you can't use, not only are, is it frustrating, Very it's, true. it's not just like those blank buttons you it's see. It's dead weight. It's not just like the blank button that is telling you, oh you cheaped out and you didn't get to buy this or I guess yeah. not a BMW, it can't be a blank button it's actually a button that is there and it just doesn't work because when yeah. the subscription turns on it will start working. So you have that taunting you, but not only that taunting, you also have the fuel pump taunting you by saying, haha, you're paying more money to cart around this feature that you're not ever gonna be well, able to I mean to use.
0: Heat, heated seats, I'm not sure how how heavy heated seats are, but I know vented seats are expensive are are, are heavy. Imagine that, man. Yeah. You're just hauling around these heated seats. And then imagine in like, the
1: second row. Imagine they break. And, like, cause something else to go wrong in your car? And they're like, well, this feature you never bought broke, and it's affecting a feature you did buy. How mad? What kind of supernova explosion occurs in that service bay? Like, I I would not want to be present for that.
0: That's very true. Um, I really wanted to um, quickly shift over to a comment that uh, one of our listeners sent over from... This is uh, Ryoko in... uh,
1: in, or
0: Sorry, Raiko in in australia who has mentioned to, who has talked to us in the past um he's uh he's got himself a, a really cool car an audi um s3 yeah which
1: and they were asking we, uh if they were putting themselves in a position where they might have worse resale and long-term reliability and they specifically mentioned two vehicles that were kind of direct competitors as honda civic type r and the mercedes amg a35 so sammy what, yes. what do you think
0: well, first of all, I want to apologize. I I, I hope I didn't misgender Rico. My bad. Um, I want to talk about this resale uh, resale concern and reliability concern pretty seriously. Vehicles like the Type R, the Civic Type R, have um, I think pretty strong resale values and expected reliability. Just because they're from Honda, I think that's a that's a tough thing to to look at um, from this perspective. But um, I think an S3 is a blast to drive. It's really cool Um, and has, I think, a motor that is pretty um, established in in this industry. Yeah, I think
1: that that compared to a Honda, Audi is not going to be as reliable long term. But compared to the, the Mercedes that they were also asking about, I think it's probably the same. I don't think there's a disadvantage there about going with Audi. So that's I, fair. The thing is, too, in this in this segment where you're, I I don't know whether this, hatch? I don't know if this is a hatch or a sedan. I can't remember. Okay. Because uh, I know different markets do get the hatch. There's not a lot of competition in the luxury space, and most of that competition is European. So you're going to mm-hmm. be up against the same type of reliability scores. I think.
0: Um. Yeah, I think you're 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 onto something there, but I do think that it's not as I don't think it's as big of a concern. At least the reliability aspect, I don't think it's as big of a concern as it uh, it might seem to be. The resale thing is is different. I'm not sure because to me the Type R is this like halo product and and highly sought after, and there's probably a million of them that have been modified uh, up and down. Probably people are in the future we'll be looking for some pristine example or 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 museum quality one i mean we see these ones that are from like 2000 on bring a trailer like these civics that are on on bring a trailer that have nonsensical um asking prices right and i don't know if that's i don't think that's sustainable but you never know we we there's speculation all the time yeah
1: if we had those answers we wouldn't be doing a podcast
0: but i don't think you know we're going to be seeing in in 40 years audi s3s with that same kind of cachet that the the type r's have but
1: you never know yeah i I don't think it's a question of like collectible versus non-collectible just more like reliable resale value i think probably be a little bit lower uh simply because of like the the perceived scarcity that you're talking about for the type r Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. I had another point I wanted to make. Oh, also, uh, Raiko, uh says that Sammy should definitely see my house, which I fully agree with. Uh, it's probably not going to happen, though. But in, in any oh. case, I need to also uh, point out that I have not sneezed on this podcast. And that's a good streak, I think. That's, that's one of one now. So we're going <laughs> to we reset the clock after 300 or 330 episodes. We're back to one episode with no sneezing.
0: Okay, well, well, we'll update the tracker. Um, anything else you want
1: to talk about this week? I don't think so. Sammy, uh, okay. if people wanted to reach out to us and ask us questions themselves, how can they do that?
0: I would ask them to please reach out to us um, on our website, which is unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. There's a contact form there. You just press contact and fill it out, and it lands in our inbox, and you can tell us all the fun stuff you're dealing with, or if you've got baby tips, um, hit me with them
1: can we do that? Can we use this podcast, the contact form as baby tip podcast? Of course, but like, uh, you realize this is all being recorded and can be used against you in a future proceeding. (laughs) Oh, I understand.
0: Oh, no problem. Um, additionally, you can email us the old fashioned way, Benjamin at Benjaminhunting.com. Or if you really want to, you can go on social media, whatever platform's your favorite, hopefully it's Instagram. Um, and find either Ben or myself. You're you'll find Ben at hunting Benjamin. I'm at Sammy underscore ha like you're laughing. Additionally, uh, um, if you still hang out on Twitter or whatever it's called now, X, you can find me over there, too. I'm Sammy underscore ha. Again, like you're laughing. And uh, uh, you can,
1: if you want to subscribe to our podcast, if you're listening to this, maybe through the open window of a neighbor and are trying to figure out what's going on, <laughs> you can go at any podcatcher out there. Anyone, anyone just say Unnamed Automotive Podcast. We are... Uh, waiting for you to subscribe to us. If you want to like and comment, that really, really helps us too. And if you um, just want to go to the website, unnamedautomotopodcast.com, there are tons of buttons for your favorite podcatcher, and you can click on those and subscribe directly there. Sammy, what are you going to be driving next week? Uh,
0: ben, I've got a really slick, um, refreshed Mercedes GLC class, and I can't wait to talk to you about this.
1: All right. I am taking a road trip in a Ford F-250 with the Mini Zilla engine the mini godzilla why Why? well because i'm going to be towing my datsun to watkins Glen international and i needed a tow vehicle so i have conservatively the world's largest vehicle parked in front of my house right now and i'm going to be towing a very small car a very long distance so i'll be talking about that
0: okay perfect all right thank you Uh, i can't wait to we'll see you later bye everybody bye